It's not getting it's it, not getting it. And I want to welcome everybody out there in podcast land to the Good Times with the People Company presents the Law Party Podcast, where it is always about good times, good people, and good talk. I'm your host, Rio, and let me introduce you to the panel. First, we have got uh, our returning champion for this week, Chris O'Connor. He is a co-owner of Liquid 9 Broadcast Media Production. We have got Dave Elliott. Uh, he is the owner of uh, C&P Construction. We've got Roy Scott. He is the co-creator of H3, that is Healthy Hip Hop, uh, bringing uh, clean and wholesome lyrics on uh, today's uh, fresh beats for the kids. Uh, we've got Brian Massey. He is a data analyst with uh, DST Systems. And of course, the anonymous female, because she doesn't want you to know her name. So, before we started the uh, podcast, we were talking about some of the things that we're going to be talking about in the podcast today, one of which being uh, Ali. Um, but before we do, because we're all sipping it, and is, this is pretty amazing, uh, I want to uh, skip the sponsor acknowledgments, and I'll come back to those, because I want to get to, Dave, what are we drinking? We are drinking Ron Centenario. It's a 25-year Costa Rican rum. And uh, this is uh, kind of a bridge of American cultures where Costa Rica is. You know, it's kind of between South America and, 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 and North America. And it's just a really interesting place. Uh, this uh, rum is kind of really carefully selected with different sugar canes. And they're, they're, it's done in small uh, American oak cask mm. as it's aged. And uh, this stuff is, uh, it has very great notes of uh, vanilla and nutmeg. Uh, being aged 25 years, um, this stuff is just about as smooth as you can go. I drink a lot of rum, and I look for rum in a lot of places. The only place I've been able to find this to buy is in Florida. Ah, okay. You, cannot, you can maybe, I'd look for distribution on the internet, not going to find out what distribution, but it is distributed in Florida. And so... When we left Florida a couple of weekends ago, I made sure to bring home two bottles. Okay. Now, I have noticed that you can buy it on the internet, but it is restricted to certain states where you can buy it. I'm and it also very... on the internet is very interesting in what it's priced at because I bought it for $60, and there's other places that on the internet where you can buy it for like $150, $160. Oh, okay. Okay, so it's really kind of interesting okay. what you find out there, but this is the finest rum that I've come across. Most of the ratings I've seen on it are in the top 10 in the world as far as rums go. I have to agree. This is probably the smoothest rum I've ever had. This is, it's this a very sweet rum. It's a very dark rum. But it's, it's delicious. A, it is truly, it's a delicious rum. I think that's a good way to put it. Real. This is delicious. Yeah, I, I uh, yeah, the, for the, for the price tag, um, it's definitely, Something you want to hold down for a, for an occasion, uh, if you can. But it is good. And the podcast is a great occasion. And it is a great occasion. Uh, and we'll go straight from what are we drinking to uh, what are we smoking. And I guess I will start in the same place that I started with the rum. What are you smoking, Dave? I'm smoking a brick house. This is a big old 54 ring. Was that uh, Alex Bradley? Yeah, you know, it's 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 not a it's not an expensive cigar, but these 
Brick House has been rated many times rather high in, in several cigar magazines, and it's generally a five to six dollar cigar. Yeah, I like the Brick House. Yeah, yeah, and it's actually a really inexpensive stick. So. It's a very inexpensive stick, and it's just something. It's not my normal smoke. And every once in a while, I'll, I'll see one and buy one, and I'm rarely disappointed by it. All right, Chris, what are we uh, smoking? Always the go-to for me is the Oliva Series G. My favorite. Uh, can never go wrong with an Oliva Series G. Nope, it's just a great everyday uh, cigar. Unless, of course, you're having a Series V, which is <laughs> which is amazing. Very true. But, uh, yeah. Roy, what are we smoking? Um, right there with Mr. O'Connor, I've got the Oliva Series G. All right. We're trying to make sure we're matched up. Yeah, the okay. last couple of times I came in, I, I had the exact same one. So just keep it consistent. Keep it, keep it consistent. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to... Are you abstaining I'm today? I'm you up to Oliva Series V. Just second hand smoke. Second hand smoke. Okay. That's your next evolution. I've got to go. Got it's it's a fantastic cigar. So, out there in podcast land, uh, I was just asking Brian, what is he smoking? Uh, he said he is uh, having secondhand smoke. Uh, I am giving him the face <laughs> and rolling my eyes, and now I'm back to you. Uh, I am uh, having, uh, I think, my seemingly uh, podcast staple, the uh, Fuente uh, Rosada wrapper. Uh, very tasty, smooth, medium body smoke. Uh, can never quite go wrong with those love them. So uh, before we get to any topics, I do want to acknowledge uh, the Majestic Restaurants Pendergast Club, um, one of our sponsors uh, that allows us to record our podcast up here. Uh, also, uh, although we are not drinking it today, I do still want to give uh, some acknowledgement to Jay Rieger and company. I'm drinking Can- it. Ah, ah, yeah, yeah. ah. I got one too. I'm about to say we actually do have we have a couple people on the table right now that have double glasses right now, uh, and for for the first time uh, ever uh, in the podcast, the anonymous female <laughs> is double glassed. That's it's basically called two fisted ring. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't sure if wasn't sure if double fisted sounded right, so. I wanted to go with I appreciate that. Okay. Thank you very much. Big Dave always has a different way of looking at things, right? I uh, am drinking uh, Rieger Gin and Tonic. Especially with the, you know, Ali. you got to be two fists in the day. There right? you go. All yeah. right. be two fists. All right. Okay, I get that. And, and what is your other fist, Chris? Okay. Uh, it's always, always a Pendergast with Rieger Whiskey. With, with Rieger Whiskey. All right. So, uh, so we've acknowledged uh, our sponsors uh, for this week. Um, so I think I want to start actually with what we were talking about before the podcast started, and that is uh, Muhammad Ali. Uh, we want to start by saying rest in peace uh, to the goat, uh, which actually we were having a uh, a small debate on whether or not uh, the goat is the right title. We we um, we should toast, but we are toasting. To Muhammad Ali, to a life well lived, to a life well lived, and a legacy that will endure uh, around the world. Um, some of, you know, when you talk about famous, you know, let's let, let's we'll we'll back into boxing. Let's just talk about famous. There's very few people that you can go anywhere, anywhere. In the world, to a hut 
<laughs> in, in the middle of nowhere. And they know this name, they know this face. And Muhammad Ali is one of those types of fans. You know, and I, I was, it, since, his, since his passing a couple of days ago, it, it really got me to thinking about that level of fame. You know, and like, like what, it, what it must be like, you know what I'm saying, to be that kind of famous. Like, you know, like I think about like, you know, rapper, pop star famous, you know. You, you can't go to the mall. But when you're like, you can't go anywhere famous. <laughs> like, everybody knows you. Like, what, what, is, what is that? What kind of headspace does that put you in? Yeah. I'm like, and, or maybe you have to be especially built for it, like maybe, like I think probably Ali was. But, mm-hmm. you know. Ali was definitely built for that because the children especially would just gravitate towards him. People, and he was so gracious and he wanted to meet people and he liked to take their pictures and he liked to shadow box them. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are all the things that made Ali Ali, even when he got to the point where he couldn't speak and talk. Mm-hmm. He was just this guy that was just so bigger than life and people, and he, you know, Ali had a face, especially as he got older, as it changed, that was mischievous. Yeah. He had a lot of sparkle in his eye. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. And he could just look at you and kind of grin, or he could look at you and give you the dirty boxing look, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and, and he could evoke that emotion out of you that, that was really hardly anybody was able to do. Yeah, I know. I was looking at, we were looking at, um, this is a documentary called I Am Ali, where we're looking at. And uh, it was one part that really struck me. Uh, they were talking with uh, one of his daughters. Um, and so, you know, after... It, now, this is funny, because I really think it was after they were divorced and the wife was remarried. So he's coming over to see the kids. and and but And she hadn't seen him, the ex-wife, in two or three years. Yeah, like, I mean, he had seen the kids, but she hadn't seen them. So, uh, came, you know, came in, oh, you know, good to see you, good to see you, hugs, hugs. And, uh, and she said, you know, and my mom started to cry, and she went off in the other room, and, and, you know, he was like, what's wrong with your mom? Why is she crying? She's like, you know, I don't know. So she goes back there, she says, you know, she says, I, I, I saw God on him. In and it o- and it overwhelmed me, and I had to get out of the room for a minute. Wow. Yeah, I know. I was just thinking, like, because you know that story you were telling me this morning about, you know, the, the fact that his heart kept beating for thirty minutes after the rest of his organs failed. I'm like, like I think certain people are touched by God in a way that, you know, absolutely, you know, that uh, you know it's not readily explainable, you know. And, uh, it, so it, and it's got that, and it brought me right back to the whole, you know, that famous question. You know, what do you think, well, Roy? Um, like you said, something definitely got me built for. Um, it's uh, to be able to, um, stay. I mean, contain that type of attention. Your, your ego, and you can go so many spaces. We're kind of talking about Floyd Mayweather, just how they kind of. They both talk trash, but they're still kind of like polar opposites. With yeah. uh, you know, Muhammad Ali, even though he talked his trash, he was still very much a people's person. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. He's a man for the people. You know, 
Well, I, let me relate to that a little bit. One of the things that in the Kansas City Star paper. Okay. I do not have the glib of Ali, <laughs> but this is a great. This was happened before the foreman fighting in Zaire. I have wrestled with an alligator. I've done tussled with a whale. I've done handcuffed lightning. I threw thunder in jail. <laughs> now, no way Mary Mayweather can even come close to something like that. He mm. just can't. No. It's 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 because that's trash talk. Ali was a poet. Oh yeah. He was mm -hmm. a poet. And, and as I said in our discussion before, there's no doubt in my mind, in today's world, he would have been a rapper. And it wouldn't have been gangster rap or none of that. It had been Roy's rap. It had been good rap. He'd been doing that. And I want to ask you something. You know, they were talking about she saw God and Ollie. You work with all these children. And you're out there rapping at these kids, and you're rapping a positive message to these kids. Don't you feel overcome sometimes with with a, with a with a spirit, and when them kids are connecting to you and then making you get that feel good thing, man? And, and there's no explaining that. It's just an amazing. Well, thing. actually, uh, now that you say that, um, <clears throat> going back to the story you just told about Ali and, and the mother, um, you know, this is what I do full time as an entrepreneur. As you all know, <clears throat> you face certain stuff, and you sometimes you just you're in the trenches, and it's like, damn, like you know, it's just. It, going through a lot of things so <clears throat> I had, those, had one of those moments and we had a performance and just to see how mm. the kids responded and how impactful we were just to see it, re it reminded me what I'm here for and what I'm doing and I nearly shed a tear after my performance that yeah. we just had to it reminded me my purpose because a lot of times you know focus on you know gotta, gotta obviously generate revenue gotta continue to grow the business and uh, sometimes I can kind of lose sight I never completely lose sight, but sometimes those things can get me out of the space to where I really remember what I'm genuinely in this for, and that's to help kids. And I, I nearly well, I came to one tier, and I was just thinking about it. I was just overwhelmed, and I was like, yeah. "This is this is why I do this." To, to for kids when they see me, like, "Hey, rapping Roy," you know, yeah, exactly. that means something to me. So. Exactly. You know, it's funny that you, that you say that. I once again in this uh, documentary, "I Am Ali." It was a point when he was, uh, he, 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 I don't know what it was that he knew that one day he'd want to play these tapes back to his, to his kids. But every time he had a conversation or a phone conversation, especially with one of his kids, he would record it all the time. And, uh, and, and he got, he kind of got on that subject with one of his daughters about um, what was her name? Mara. Yeah. About uh, knowing why you're here. You know, knowing what is your what, purpose. What, knowing what your purpose is. You know, he says everything has a purpose. You know, the trees have a purpose and the, the birds have a purpose. Everything has a purpose. What is your purpose? You know, and and she was saying, you know, it's you know, it's to help people, to make people better, you know, and uh, and you know, I think he knew that, you know, he knew what his purpose was. Like, I think that's the only way you can walk in that level of truth, you know. He, you know, even when you're not a hundred percent right, but it's it's a hundred percent true to you at the moment. I think the only way you can walk in that. For real, is you really know why you're here. You really know what you're here to do, 
And, you know, and I think, like you say, I think it was beyond the ring. You know, I think, I mean, his, you know, like, like say, a, a, a rapper raps or a painter paints or, but what you do in your medium, I think it transcend, transcends, you know, because, because, you know, like I said, that, that love that you can go to a hut in the middle of nowhere and they absolutely know who you are, you know, you weren't just beating people up. It's a magic. Yeah. When Muhammad stood there in Atlanta, trembling, and lit that torch for the Olympics. Oh, yeah. Powerful. Uh, yeah, I, I was crying. I remember that. That was just, um, I mean, you sit there, if you didn't have human emotion with that, you need to go have your head examined. Oh, really? That was powerful. You born yet? What, what year was it? <laughs> 2006. Oh, uh, yeah, 96. I might be able to cover that. Oh, no, you weren't. That was, oh, no, you uh, were. <laughs> that was 1996. 1996. 1996. Atlanta. I was six. You were 12? Six. Six? Did you watch it? I don't remember. So, <laughs> I'm assuming no. I mean, it's, it's something you remember. I mean, you, would, you know, that second half smoke kind of messes with the memory somewhat. So, I was reading a little bit about him, and it said he was a, a double helix. Uh, Double Helix Medal winner, honoree, and I didn't know what that was. Okay. And said in 2006. So I'm wondering, this must have been their first. He he must have been their first uh, honoree. But a Double Helix Medal recognizes exceptional individuals who have dedicated their lives to raising awareness of the importance of genetics research for improving the health of people everywhere. That makes sense. And he was an honoree in 2006, and they started it in 2006. Okay, because a double helix would be you know, like your DNA strands and double mm-hmm. helix, so that would, that would make a lot of sense. Good for him. It's amazing to me, too, that um, especially the educational system back in that time, that he was a high, only a high school graduate, and he had that kind of vocabulary and way of talking and just... You know, you just don't see that very often these no, days. Don't. But that's also America. But I think you also learned that along the way. I mean, he was, he's surrounding himself with very good people who were very yeah. good, you know, took care of the business side and the promotional But things. he was doing that. How old was he when he started boxing? Okay, I got a little story on that. Okay. At the age of 12, somebody stole his bicycle in Louisville. Uh-huh. This obviously upset him. And he was walking out in the street, talking, they're going to whoop whoever, and and I'm sure he's throwing some other vocabulary into it. (laughs) And he was noticed by a local police officer who lived in the neighborhood. And the police officer went up to him and asked him, said, you know, there's a way to channel this, there's a way to get this back. Mm -hmm. I said, I know a place where you can learn to box. And that's what got Muhammad Ali in the boxing was this police officer got him into boxing. Mm-hmm. So, and, so yeah. he started boxing professionally. Well, I would say he was about 16, 17. Yeah, yeah. So before he was even out of high school, he was he, 19, like that. 1960, he won the gold medal, so he's 22 when he won the gold medal. 
So you got to figure he probably boxed at least four years before that. Well, yeah, before, I was thinking he had to be Golden Gloves. I, well, I was like going to say when he started, when people finally started knowing who he was, he had already won what sixteen or eighteen fights. Yeah. Before yeah. anybody had even heard heard yeah, of him. Yeah. Well, you have to. You got to build yourself up through the ranks. The boxing is a very specific sport. You work your way up to the amateur ranks. Mm-hmm. You get in the lower level professionals. You try to, again, just work your way up to a, eventually, hopefully, a title shot. But it, it's not Unless you're Rocky. And then Rocky, you know, you can pretty much go from <laughs> no, one no. or two. Not Marky. <laughs> Rocky was a professional fighter. Yes, you recall the movie. This is true. I do. He was a ringer. Rocky Balboa. When did you start boxing, Chris? Chris is a boxer. I love boxing, and I really got into boxing pretty hardcore probably six, seven years ago. I mean, I was I was older when I got to it, and I was just like, you know, it's one of the things that when I started going to the gym a lot, I, I, I don't like boxing clubs because generally you're just hitting a speed bag all the time or a heavy bag, and that's kind of boring. I wanted to box. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so I got a trainer, and we box, and it's fun, and I love it, and I think uh, it's a, not as an incredible exercise, like... I feel like I was just a guy, uh, and my dad always had a rule when I was playing football. He's like, I don't care how hard you got hit, you better get your ass up. And that was always the thing, and boxing is the same kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. He's got a bit of a shiner right now, too, just saying. <laughs> <laughs> That's a different story. <laughs> oh, yeah, you weren't here for that story. No, I wasn't here for that story, yeah. but that, it, it fits, That's it fits, off it fits That's well off into today. Yeah. It's happened a lot. But, yeah. No, I, I mean, I've loved boxing my entire life when I was in a kid, just by sheer coincidence, happened to see uh, Sugar Ray Leonard fight uh, Tom Yearns in Las Vegas yeah. at Caesars Palace. By sheer coincidence, happened to be there on the time they did the rematch. It was just nuts. I mean, just, I've always been a boxing fan. I love it. And, it, and Ali clearly being, you know, yeah. the, the figurehead of the sport, um, that, that, that was a... Yeah. It wasn't that it wasn't unexpected. It's just it's always bizarre when it happens. It's yeah, like a yeah, heavy yeah. day when it happens. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, no, and seeing them some from 96 on, you knew there was going to be yeah. any time. Yeah. And the day that it happens, I was actually in the airport when I saw it. I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, 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 heavy yeah, 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 yeah. Well, we were, we were uh, coming back from here, I think. And... Uh, Oh yeah, he I said just walked in the door the and I was like, or... "He's in the hospital," you know. And I was just like, what? And within ten minutes later, he passed away right around midnight. And I was like, "He's gone." Yeah, I, I was watching TV. I had to be watching TV and uh, uh, watching NBC, and they broke in. And Lester Holt broke in too. Mm. It wasn't just yeah, anybody. anybody. Yeah. It was Lester Holt who's just done a fantastic job of taking over yeah, that that's anchor. A, that's amazing. Uh, and it was just you know that was pretty daggone interesting. In fact, it was uh, I was I was watching late night, Jimmy Fallon. Mm-hmm. And they broke into his show. So that was. You know, that's there's very there's, few there's people. There's a certain amount that, of gravity to that. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's very few people that actually you would break into a, you know, it's not a ticker at the bottom of the screen. No, 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 it's not a ticker. It's that's that's the real deal. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what, he he really has become, he was an American icon, really along the likes of even Martin Luther King. Yeah, yeah, you I, know, I, would, you, I would agree. You, you've got to realize that. And then as, as far as his religion go, I mean, he, he got together with Dr. King on things. 
him and Dr. King conferred on many things. They were yeah. they were friends, and, and and that's when he also had uh, converted to Sunni Muslim at that time. Mm -hmm. They got away from the Nation of Islam. So you know, yeah, King may have been our greatest American, but Ali is definitely our most famous American. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm and, I, and I'm a huge Dr. King fan. Uh, that man. What he said and what he did, he was no, no one, no one person's a perfect man. No. And certain Dr. King wasn't, but you look at what Dr. King did, the things he said and how he said, oh my gosh, there's, there's so many people in today's world that can heed his word. I, I would agree, but I, I would say, it, in my humble opinion, and this is, I don't I think it'd be impossible to take anything away from Dr. King, that'd be ridiculous. But if you had to say who had the harder road to get to where they were, you are talking an uneducated boxer mm. who turned into one of the world's greatest humanitarians that yes. is beloved on so many different levels and inspired people outside of just his chosen profession. In fact, despite his chosen profession more despite, than anything, yeah. mm. you want know, to be honest, versus, you know, probably the greatest orator and clearly the greatest civil rights champion. Well, he, he, it, it's, it's, it's a, he that's said, a transformation's part. He said things in a way that people... You know, it wasn't that they weren't controversial. It was, like like Mario said, you know, he said things that were real and you couldn't dispute it, but it wasn't from a place of hate the well, way it is sure. now. You know, it's just like this is a fact and you can't really say anything against it.